everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. I'm Jason Harmon. I am Doug Markham. Doug Markham right here in the house, and Assistant Director Bobby Wilson. Yeah. Good got, morning. Got Bobby for a, for a whole show today. Yeah, it's going to be great. And we were discussing what we were going to talk about at the beginning of the show, and uh, we're still going to discuss what we're talking about here in a minute. All right? <laughs> we'll come up with Surprise. good stuff. Bobby's always a great guest. All right. There's a lot going on. Let's out there. talk about yeah. Let's talk about some current event and stuff before we get there. And happy anniversary to you. And oh, thank wife you. Wife Amy. Yeah, had a big you. anniversary this week. Nine years. How All about right, it's a long time. Um, in the outdoors, turkey season's I, I winding know, down. Yep, turkey season's over. I know that's a sad thing for a lot of sportsmen out there. They love their turkey season. And last I saw, uh, there were thirty-five thousand birds that had been harvested across the state. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't looked wow. in a week or so, uh, and that's that's a good year. Yep, turkey hunters are having a good year, breaking that thirty thousand number once again. So I, I like it because it means the the birds are probably in pretty good shape. We know there's some issues here and there, but overall they're in great shape. And and uh, what I really like, it just shows the hunters' enthusiasm. They're getting out there, yeah, and doing their thing. I seen a gobbler yesterday. I was driving down the road and beer dragging the ground, flopping. I was like, man, I wish I was in the woods, not driving down the road. <laughs> they but, they do that a lot, don't they? Yeah, and then go in the woods and it's it's empty for you. You can't but. find them. I, I did. About I drew one across a field about two three hundred yards the other day, calling. And I was surprised he came over there, and then I spooked him away when I was trying to get my gun up. Mm. Didn't see him behind this fence row, and it was it was a fun hunt. And I had my son with me, so he he enjoyed it. But yeah, Bob, did you have a good year? Oh, typical. I I got one, but um, I, I went several times and didn't get one. So typical. But you got out. I got one. Yeah, and I yeah. got out. This beautiful weather. Uh, spring. This. This spring was good for the most part. Well, it's it's a I guess while we're talking about it ending, we need to let everyone know that in a couple of weeks the season's going to be set again for next year. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. That's correct. So everything, this. everything gets set now pretty much in one big meeting. Yes, that's correct. It does. It's uh they of course they previewed back in April to let everybody know what we're proposing and everybody to think about it and for a chance for the public to comment on it. And it'll be proposed to be voted on at the at the May actually be voted on on the twenty fourth. Be discussed on the twenty third of May uh, up at Bryan College in Dayton, Tennessee. Dayton, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Going to travel a little bit. Yes. So folks that over that way, if you want to come to a, see a commission meeting, come on over and watch it at Bryan College. Bryan College, mm-hmm. right? So Chickamauga is going to be nearby, right? Chickamauga is going to be nearby. I think there's going to be a uh, a presentation by the Ray County uh, Commission. Something to do with economics as a, as a result of the tremendous fishing is related to the Florida bass stocking that we've done over the last 17 or 18 years. Cool deal. We're going to talk about that in a few. Is it okay if I go over a week early next week? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> we should take a fishing rod. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be cool over there. Um, also, I guess we need to let right know Free Fishing Day is, is really kind of around the corner. About a 10th. month, but boy, they're really loading up the website with information about Free Fishing Day events. A lot of events out there. Yeah, everywhere. And, and if you look on our Facebook page, uh, you'll see a lot of events out there right on the Facebook. Go to our website. There's a page dedicated just to Free Fishing Day events. And I also want to remind everyone that while there's a lot of events for uh, kids on Free Fishing Day, Free Fishing Day is for everybody. Right. So, free Fishing Day is for everybody, yeah. and then there's Free Fishing Week. For, right. for, kids. Yeah, for kids. For the kids. Yeah, for the kids. And that's in the guide if you want to look that up. And remember, too, a lot of these events that are held, uh, the agency goes in and stocks catfish in them. Kids might fish it for three or four hours, and then it's over. And then mm-hmm. it's wide open. Most of them, not every single one of them, but most of them are open for anybody to go in and fish. Right. So it provides some, some good activity. Uh, something that you mentioned, Facebook. And, yeah. Uh, and Facebook's rolling well. We've got almost 96,000 followers yeah. on Facebook, which yeah. is awesome. But 
I just put out some uh, boating classes out there yesterday. There's a lot of boating classes going on this weekend. If you yeah, want to get I'm ba- glad you uh, said boating that. safety certified. Yep. Now's a good time. And remember, if you were born, if your child, most of you are a little older, but if watching this, but if your child was born after January 1st, 1989, mm-hmm. he or she's got to take a test in order to boat in Tennessee. Right. But we recommend that you go take a course. No matter how Don't old you, you are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just go take a course. and. Right. Uh, I took it recently, and it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, I took it. You took it too? Oh yeah, we all had to take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, and it's it, not that hard, but it's not that easy. You have to it's not. you have to study the manual, at least read it a couple of times, and and because there are some things on there that I didn't realize, and then so you learn from reading the manual. It's helpful, and it will for those us that are, are that buy boats. It will help you with your insurance. I haven't called my insurance company yet, but I'm going to and Should. let them know. That, I, that I'd like that little discount they give, right? Mm-hmm. So, That's right. All right. All right. Anything else going on in the current event world that you can think of? Current event world. Turkey season's winding down. Free fishing day's coming up. I don't think so. All right. I well, think we're fishing good. is good now. Fishing is good. It's a good time to be out on the water fishing. Shellcracker, bluegill, largemouth bass. Correct. It's all, all that's good. good. Crappie's kind of winding down, but uh, like you said, the bluegill fishing and the shellcracker fishing is picking up, and largemouth bass fishing is good. Bass are probably come off the beds by now, and so it might be a little bit easier to catch. I think that's going to be fun. I, I'm going to do some of that shellcracker bluegill action, mm-hmm. ASAP. It's a lot of fun. Get those kids out right now, but even if you don't get this kid out, that kid out, <laughs> that kid out. And it's just a lot of fun this time of year. What, what's a shellcracker, Bobby, versus a bluegill, by the way? Well, they're both sunfish, but the shellcracker, the real name for it is a red ear sunfish. Yeah. And the bluegill, of course, is a bluegill sunfish. There's a lot of different sunfishes in Tennessee. and But the the shellcracker is uh, one that we, like in ponds and lakes or farm ponds, we recommend stocking along with bluegill. They get a little bit bigger than bluegill. Mm-hmm. They look different. Of course, they have that red on their gill flap, mm-hmm. probably called red ear. Okay, and a, a shell cracker is that is is it because are they actually shell or mollusks kind of feeders? They or? prefer those. They prefer snails and probably small mussels, but uh, they'll eat crickets and bugs and worms. And Not crawlers. I learn yeah. something every day. I <laughs> right. didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, they're they're cool fish. How they got their name? That's pretty. Yeah, cool. and Bobby, we didn't say this at the beginning. Bobby, uh, you said that he was our our uh, our assistant director, assistant director but yeah. Bobby's also the chief of fisheries for a long time and assistant before that and. Helped run some lakes in Tennessee a long time ago. And mm-hmm. I was out lakes. Lake Graham. That's where you got your start, right? That's where I started. We were out there last week shooting some PSAs for boating and stuff. So, so yeah, I heard you were down. That's a really uh, beautiful lake. Yeah, if you've never seen Lake Graham over in Jackson, it is gorgeous. Were you behind the design of that lake when it was? Actually, it was already designed when I started. But when I started, they were just building the dam. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the first thing they do is build the dam. Then they go around the shoreline and. And, and create paths through the. They left a lot of the timber standing. That that was going to be my question because yeah. most of our state lakes don't have timber in standing it, but Lake right. Graham does. Gorgeous the way it, the way we did it. Right. Yeah, and uh, one of the things about the lake is is that if you seen it years ago, if you had seen it years ago when it was being flooded, and you can see that how deep it is and the trees and everything. But of course, the trees have fallen over over time, and and now it looks like there's just stumps out there that maybe a shallow lake. But it's it's really tall stumps that left over from years and years of when it rotted off at the surface or just above the surface. The the lakes that we have in Tidarish probably have has close to twenty, give or take. Correct. Not counting them, but probably close to that. What makes them special? To, since you worked on them for a long time, what makes them special to you? Yeah, they're uh, 
they're small, relatively small. I mean, 500 and something acres is our is our biggest one, but they go all the way down to 22 acres. And we fertilize uh, a lot of them to, to increase the productivity of the lake. Mm-hmm. We stock them every year with catfish at least and sometimes crappie and other species. And there's it's a family fishing lake atmosphere thing, so there's no wake speed for the most part. So you can get out there and don't have to worry about uh, in the lake that's skiers and boaters and kind of maybe a lot of wave action it's peaceful and quiet and um and they're only open during daylight hours but still that they're uh they're just a good place to go to relax and get away from it all just to fish but they got a lot of fish in them i I think sometimes right they do and and that's the thing we manage for for fishing obviously and and uh your odds of catching fish are better at ac lake usually than are out in the public yeah don't think that they're over pressurized if that's a word but because there's always work to put fish in there and to make sure the ones that there are are doing well that's correct so all right uh you were at a meeting this week the fisheries crews staffs from across the state meet at least once a year maybe twice but they had a big meeting this week in mcminville and we're talking about the biologist and uh, from from across the state Mm -hmm. get in there I went one day, part part of one day, and really thought it was a great meeting where they compare their notes and what they're doing. Now. What What's it all about? What are y'all trying well, to the, do? The, the main purpose is to get together and discuss potential uh, regulation changes in fishing. And so they, they, they do that, but while they're there, they also update uh, each other on what's going on across the state with, uh, with their particular region or maybe a, a research project that's going on, and, and they talk about things like that. And... Um, exchange information and some and they have um special guests sometimes they had some folks from tva to talk about aquatic weeds in the tennessee valley and which was very fascinating uh yeah look, we'll talk about that just a yeah. little bit yeah. yeah so but it's so they're getting there talking about regulations and what changes might happen is this the meeting also where they talk about hatchery and distribution of fish or is that usually at another meeting that's usually at another meeting but they they do give a uh a presentation about the ha- status of the hatcheries and things like that. It's just really good stuff. One of the presentations was on was by David Roddy. Roddy, he's the hatchery uh, statewide hatchery coordinator, right. and, and does a great job. But he was talking about uh, a relatively very new hatchery over in West Tennessee, I think, just for southern or the Florida largemouth or southern largemouth. Yes, it's it's actually part of Humboldt Hatchery, Humboldt which hatchery. has been there for okay. a long, long time. But they uh, we just the commission uh, allocated some funding for us to build a florida bass building hatchery building it's completely enclosed there's no windows uh the the light is is a artificial light we control it and the the water temperature we control that too so the idea of course being um, florida bass typically spawn earlier than than uh, the native northern largemouth bass in tennessee they may not spawn in tennessee earlier but down in florida of course in the warmer weather they do so what we've done in the past, kind of digressing a little bit, but to, we've gotten Florida bass fry from uh, other states in the south. And we get them about the uh, middle of April. Actually flown them in on Flown airplanes. them in, right, right, from planes and, and some driven in. You know, we've, right. we shipped them Go in down and things and like them. that, Whatever, however we can get them. And so when we, we, we put them in a pond for about a month and a half, a local pond, at the hatchery, and then we grow them out so that when we stock them there, they were probably two to three weeks older than the native spawn, so they have a size advantage, and that's our that's what we're trying to accomplish. Give them a chance not to get eaten by other things, right. and not, not they won't have to compete as much if they're bigger. So, okay. uh, so anyway, so our idea was uh, let's do it ourselves. Let's try to get those Florida bass broodfish here in Tennessee and get them to spawn about the same time as they do down further south, uh, 
and that's why we have the artificial light and that's why we have the, the water temperature warming up uh, warmer than it would be in a pond or lake jason and i are going to make a trip over there we yes. talked to david the other day and we're going to work out a trip go there and get some video of that but so we're in the we're in the southern bass producing business these days well we call florida bass florida bass yeah, okay florida bass florida yeah. bass so we're in that producing business these days and i think the number i saw david say at the end of his presentation was five hundred and seventeen thousand got produced last year but he said that's just half of what we hope to do is that correct that's about correct. a million plus it's about i think it's around nine hundred something thousand fries what are, are yeah what we hope to get and we hope to stock a little bit more you know about that much or a little bit less have we standardized where we're going to stock now bobby is there still some discussion on we're going to do more reservoirs later or are we going to just stay with what we're stocking now to see what happens we're going to stay with what we're stocking now to see what happens uh, mostly because the numbers and plus we want to make sure that they do okay there we don't want to put them in and we find it's detrimental and then all of a sudden we go oh gosh we shouldn't have put them in every lake in tennessee so we're, we're keeping them in uh we're keeping putting them in kentucky lake in uh, Nickajack, of course, Chickamauga, which is we've been stocking since 2000, and then Watchbar Lake and Fort Loudon Lake. Th- those are the big bodies of water. Some like agency lakes. Tennessee too. River. See, all Tennessee, Tennessee River, River lakes. Yeah, right. Okay. None in the Cumberland, but all in the Tennessee. Isn't there a magical line that I've heard? Like it, it, it works better. <laughs> yeah. Does that line move a little bit? Is that, <laughs> that magical line is it, it's close. Yeah. It's uh, it's actually a heating degree day line that based right. on a some the number of days heating degree days in the state and uh and it goes basically from about dyersburg all the way down uh just north of chattanooga to yeah. do that line and so most of those lakes fall in that area fort loudon is a little bit above it uh all the other lakes are right in line i mean all the other lakes we're stocking are right below that line so okay. we're that's that's a good thing to go by okay so is that building complete over there are the addition to humboldt is it is it complete? it's almost i mean it's pretty much complete it's like you said they were able to raise and produce 500 and something thousand fry which is amazing to me that we got any fry this year i thought mm-hmm. we we're gonna wait and try to do it next year so Guess we got an early time. start this year yeah I, and you know watching that whole presentation that I, I saw about five hours of two two and a half days of it and but just in that little bit of time the work that our guys have to do the the problems that they confront and have to take care of themselves. It's not right. like they can pick up and call the plumber and tell them to ask them to come out. They do it themselves. They do. And, and saw some of the uh, pictures of the guys at the like in Humboldt Hatchery when they were had a, a one of the drain or ponds uh, or actually it was an intake water. Mm-hmm. It was wasn't working. They had to dig it out and get down in their hole and cut it out themselves and put new piping in and just like a plumber would do. It's just what our guys have to do. I'm not sure, Bobby, why there's another one where we had to dive and, and fix a hole in, a, in a structure. a spillway structure at Gibson County Lake. Yeah, there was a big hole, about fist-sized hole, so we had to dive down there and put some stuff in there to keep that to stop that keep from, from leaking. leaking. Yeah. Yeah. Our, yeah. our dive team, our TWA right. dive team took care of that. Yeah, right. there's a lot of stuff like that that folks just will never know right. that, that happens there and, and the kind of work and things that they have to take care of. And a lot of our hatcheries are getting a little age on them, too, and we have to have hatchery managers out there that know how to handle that. Oh, yeah, they they're jack of all trades yeah they are they know how to do it all for for sure Mm -hmm. what what else did you take away from this week's meeting bobby what was the big takeaway the uh the amount of of research that's going on across the state the the little studies that we do on the side kind of and uh and all the 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 sampling that goes on and and uh, issues that are you know can be can take place like the invasive species asian carp what we're doing about that and and then all the way up to East Tennessee, where they're looking at concerns where the fish that are caught real deep in a in a wintertime, maybe mm-hmm. th- a, deeper than 30 feet, fishermen that have ever caught them before, especially smallmouth, 
sometimes they bring them up, they're, they're bloated, their mm-hmm. swim bladders extended, and they think they die because of that. So we, we did a little research project on that. I did not know that. People yeah. talk about fizzing, yeah. you know, fizzing fish. And so we, we did it and then found out that, um, that fizzed fish didn't do any better or worse than non-fizzed fish. So it's, it won't really hurt them, but it doesn't really help them either. So that was kind of a, a neat project. I, I didn't did. know about that project. Where was it? Where did it take place? Um, South Holston Lake up in the far upper east. So what do you tell fishermen then when they get a bloated fish? Leave it well, I think we're going to try to tell them the correct way to fizz one because they say sometimes people try to fizz them through the mouth, mm-hmm. and they, they actually are not fizzing the the swim bladder, they're fizzing the gut, you know, the stomach. Oh, boy. P- pokes out. And sometimes they uh, damage the gills, too, when they do that. So okay. they, they're going from the side of the fish. I can't explain it here, but they, 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 it's a proper way to do that. But in fizzing, you're actually literally trying to put a little hole in the air bladder to make it go back down. Right. Stick a needle into the air, tiny little hole in the air bladder so it'll go back down so the fish can swim down. Okay. Yeah. All right. So fishermen, got they got... The, their heart's in the right place. Heart's in the right place. They Sometimes want the, the fizz, fizz might not yeah, be. <laughs> correct. Yeah, their heart is in the right place, definitely. They want the fish to live, and they're just trying to do the right thing. Okay. All right. What about fish in Tennessee? Uh, um, we talked a few years ago when you were chief that you, um, that you felt like Tennessee had probably reached a point where we didn't need a whole lot of regulation changes at that time. Are we still at that point, Bobby, or do you see things? Well, apparently we're there because there were not many recommendations that came out of that meeting. I've never seen – a fisheries meeting uh, where we had so few recommendations. No fist fights or nothing. There were no statewide recommendations. There were just a few adjustments here and there yeah. for some of the regional local places. And uh, yeah, well, there's never a fish fight. I'm kidding. Fish fight, that. but never fish a fist fight. Right, fish fight. Yeah, great, uh, great guys. I got to spend some time with Michael Clark. Not not very long. But I'm gonna get him in here. But he was talking about the talking to me about the Asian carp going on the, the dive occurring on Barkley yep. and Kentucky Lakes and really still a mystery as to what happened right. over there. What what do you think? I think the latest theory is that with that the early uh warm warm spells that we had back in January and February, where normally it's cold and of course fish are cold blooded mm-hmm. and so their metabolism is related to that. So uh normally they don't they're not as active. They're just kinda you know they swim around but they're not real active in the cold months but it was so warm that they were swimming around because it you know increased their activity but the food wasn't there the plankton Mm -hmm. that's what they feed on and wasn't much plankton so they instead of coming out of the winter with fat reserves and everything they had no fat reserves at all and made them susceptible to these bacterial infections and things like that that normally they would be able to resist makes sense to me well that's kind of what the going theory is so but then the thing that doesn't make sense to me is why were they all this big? Why weren't they the all big, this big? I, know. I don't know. Bigger ones may have had a bigger fat reserve. I don't know. What, well, it's what, a good point. Yeah. So right, can we bottle whatever it is? That'd be great. We, we were all <laughs> hoping that's a specific disease just for silver carp, but uh, we don't think that's the case yet. We hadn't figured that out. Or they haven't figured it out yet, but I don't think it is. Okay. And is there just a, just a brief update on and where we are with Asian carp, is there a developing market in Tennessee, one that you feel comfortable yet? And, and by the way, Asian carp do taste good. They do. Really taste, good. Yep. Yeah. taste as good as uh, crappie. Now I said that. Most people will say you're crazy, but they're really – Not far. Yeah. They're not bad. They're yeah. really good. They're, a little different they're mild tasting. Yeah, a little different texture, but they're mild tasting. So whatever battery you put on them is how they're going to taste. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a little bit – more of a development market now than there was probably uh, six months ago. There's a, a processing ship that made its way from Alaska all the way to 
the northwest, very northwest tip of Tennessee, an area called Cates Landing or mm-hmm. Cates Harbor, and up north at Tiptonville around Real Foot Lake, and and it's they're they're there spe- specifically to process Asian carp, and uh, they're going to do all the processing on board. It's a salmon processing ship that they retrofitted to make it for Asian carp, so they're going to be once they get set up, they're going to be hiring folks to go out and catch fish and bring it back and pay them, and and hopefully we'll see. Uh, the results of that, they're uh, they're already doing. They have a couple of processing plants up in Kentucky, and it's just not feasible for Tennessee folks to drive all the way to Kentucky. So this would be a lot better. Um, well, even I was thinking about that. If you're on Kentucky Lake, it, is there is there a distribution? Will there be some kind of distribution created? Because that's still a pretty good drive. Kentucky still a good Lake drive to, to yeah. Tiptonville. So one of the other things that we're looking at, a uh, uh, representative Tim Wergo mm-hmm. from the Henry County area, Paris area, is is trying to to uh, He's behind that. He's the chairman of what that was the uh, it still is the the uh, advisory committee, Asian Carp Advisory Committee that was established by the legislature last year. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we're trying to do as a recommendation is to to maybe build a, a, a I don't know offloading station or a storage building or something where people can bring their fish to a commercial fishermen can bring their Asian carp to. They're held there until a truck can come pick them up and ice them down and that kind of thing so okay. trying to help them out facilitate that a little bit for the person who'd like to try an aging carp and they're hard to catch on rod and reel because they're plankton eaters and yeah. so it's unless you snag them or, or they jump them, in the boat or they jump in the boat or you shoot them with archery equipment right. or all that work can you can we now go buy can you actually go to a market somewhere is it legal to buy them in tennessee oh yeah it's legal that you can't uh you, know, you can't possess asian carp live you're not that's illegal that's a federal law okay. but um but yeah they sell them in, in a lot of fish markets not not in some place like Kroger's yet, but places that are just they, they sell commercial fish. Would they be marketed? Are they are they marketed as fish? Do they say silver carp? Do they say big head carp? Do they say carp? Do you know? I, I think it depends on where you go. Up in Kentucky, there's a better market for them up there, and they sell them as silver fin. Silver fin. I think they call them silver fin, and they it's pretty expensive. I mean, for an invasive species, we're trying to get rid of. It's like uh, four ninety nine a pound, but it's <clears throat> it's good stuff. It's really good, and and the ones that I've seen eating. I know your crews have have been frying some so we could all see what they're like and talk about it but they were all chunked up very filleted and i understand they're difficult to clean so they're all chunked up and filleted really nicely right the bigger ones are a little bit easier to clean it's like the back strap off of a a, you know fillet off of a fish you can get a pretty good strip off the top and then you get down into some bones it gets a little tougher okay give it a try everybody and also they've they've made there's one process facility up there in wickliffe kentucky that makes hot dogs out of them and they don't taste like fish they just taste like hot dogs but they're made with the fish that's interesting pot stickers and uh salmon croquettes and all kinds of cool ways that they're and meatballs are are making uh food out of asian carp how in your what have you been 30 years or so at twra yeah or so or so well i'm at it (laughs) or so myself um what 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 is it is it the number one invasive before the show started, we were talking about uh, one of the, the talks was on invasive uh, hydro, right. hydrilla, hydrilla yeah. coming down here, which sounds scary to me. But on the scale to one to Asian carp, where does it fit in? What's the most? What's the what's the scariest? Well, the Asian carp is the scariest. I mean, the, the most concerned. Concerning, yeah, right? It's, right. It's, we don't see an impact on our native species or commercial species anything yet. And uh, the numbers are there. Most people, when they see a pot of them, like in Kentucky, like they travel in groups, mm-hmm. and they'll see a bunch of them jump up, and they think the whole lake is covered with them. But it's just a pod, and, okay. and not that we're not concerned about it. We're lucky that it's not any worse than that yet. 
But so we're trying to – what we want to try to do is manage those Asian carp at the level we're at now. We'll never get rid of them, we don't think, but we'll at least manage them to a, a level by commercial harvesting mm-hmm. them down to that level. But the hydrilla is a, is a concern, but it's – it depends on who you talk to, but the fishermen love it. But as I mentioned to you, that the, the hydrilla that's appearing now in, in our waters is not the same hydrilla that we've experienced over the last – 40 years probably. yeah and in a nutshell and that would be worth an entire show in and sure. of itself but right. in a nutshell you were telling me that we have a hydrilla that came up from the south that produces some pretty good fish habitat right. but it's not native and it comes with its issues right but we got one coming from the north yep. that's like a like a brick it's thick, thick. There's, there's not a lot of there's no room for fish to migrate in and out uh, underneath the water so it just, there is with the old hydrilla it, it, so it just covers a lot of water and takes covers up space. water covers space takes up space and fish can't get do you remember in. what it was called well, hydrilla, there's two. One of them's called the dioecious, mm-hmm. and that's what it came up from the south. And that's what's been here forever, and it's being uh, out competed by the like the, the kind that came from the north, and it's called the monoecious. It's a, just a botany term mm-hmm. that they use for to describe it. Okay, all right. Well, we, we'll do more on that, and and uh, but it, in terms of being a threat, um, not you wouldn't put it in Asian. No, I wouldn't put it yes. there. It's and it only grows uh, in the summer. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the wintertime it'll go away, but it grows back. Okay, so it's not like year round. What happened to the zebra mussel? And did it is it still in Tennessee? And is it still? Do we still worry about it like we did twenty years ago? Well, in in areas that it's always what it's been in for probably the last twenty five years or so, in Kentucky Lake and places like that, it's not that bad. It's there, but it's not taking over, and I don't, it probably never will. Mostly because of the conditions of the water temperature is warmer, and they have a lot of predators that like shellcrackers. Shellcrackers, yeah, mm-hmm. and drum and and, ch- and blue catfish. They all eat, uh, you know, small mussels and things like that. So they seem to control it and or control itself by the water temperature. But up in the upper east, Melton Hill, mm-hmm. and and they're now they're in Norris Lake, and in, supposedly in Cherokee Lake, and those are lakes that. Uh, you can't get to with a barge or lock through the dam. They don't. They have so they have, came in from somebody's boat at one okay. point in time. Which is why Jason has spent so much time working on PSAs to tell yes. folks not to. Yes. To, to make sure you clean your boat. With excellent. Yeah. Uh, those PSAs are excellent. They got Thank a lot of rave reviews by the fisheries guys. By the way, and Michael. Michael Neal. Michael Neal, who, right. who finished really well angler. in a yeah. tournament the other day, finished second, by the way. Congratulations yeah. to him in a big tournament. Yep. So that's He's cool. it's become a, good a major spokesman for that, that program and trying to get the, the news out on the nuisance and the evasive species. And, and, and it is important. And, Bobby, before we talk, I want to talk about shoreline. I want to talk about bank angling in a minute. But do you know the question I've been asking for a long time? Where do shellcrackers go after May? I can find them in May, <laughs> but where do they go after May? Bluegill, bluegill still hang out, you know. They're still, but but they disappear with the crappie. I think they're and, gone. Yeah, but I, I can't. I'm finding crappie trolling. I can't yeah. find a shellcracker. They just haphazard. They don't. They don't. They're not concentrated like they're they not are concentrated when they're spawning. Yeah. Okay, so they're out there eating shells on the bottom or whatever yeah. they do in deeper water. Yep, and getting bigger. And getting bigger, yeah. so that and I can't catch them. The next you can't year catch too. them. It's yeah. about to get bigger. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, I, I saw some good presentations on, on bank angling too, where our guys over in West Tennessee were had some creative ways of of. Uh, I think it was Carroll Lake. Carroll Lake's been down, I guess, and right. doing some work, some some shoreline habitat work that was really cool. Is bank angling across the state with our guys pretty important? Toward uh, is there a lot of management doing? Oh yeah, some people can we we try our best because. Uh, there's, sometimes it's hard to get access to bank angling, and 
Uh, of course, the person in the boat can put it in a ramp and go wherever he wants to, but person on the bank, it's sometimes hard to find. So we, we do a lot of uh, – uh, we try our best to get bank access and maybe fishing piers and things like that and uh, all in waters across the and, state. And there's a lot of them. I mean, there's, there's a lot of them. And, and another number that came out, not bank angling, but just on Percy Priest, one of the presentations was there's 130 stake beds on Percy Priest, which is a lake here, a great lake here in Middle Tennessee. Right. But that's that's repeated all across – now that that's not necessarily bank stuff, but it's still habitat that that we're putting out there, and it's across the state. Right, and finding ways, better ways to do it. Don't Marked you, ways. Yeah. You see the the presentation. We forever we're driving stakes in with yeah. hammers and hurting our shoulders, and and then we have this stake driver that you hurt your head with and, and shoulders was with, and now they came up with a, a very very neat way of doing it with a like a, a impact gun sort of and just put real light like a drill and then it's got a fitting that we made to put on top of those and it's we just another thing air hammer it down pop, 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 and it just drives down with no no effort from us at all you yeah. know, no physical effort that's just another way the guys the the biologists and the technicians out there are just always coming yep. up with stuff always it's i will say this the biggest fish i've ever caught was off the bank Hey. Um, off a little dock, Percy Priest, Percy right? Priest, yeah, Percy Priest Lake. So I mean, it can be done. I mean, six pound, nearly, a, nearly a pound and a half, or what, <laughs> what no, was it? Six pounds. Oh, six, it was pounds. six okay. pounds. Yeah, okay. I got All pictures right. to prove it. Okay, sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good fish. See what I have to deal with. <laughs> All right, Bobby, you're always great guest for somebody coming here without an agenda. We didn't really have topics. I just talked. You just kept it covered. Hey, one I thing. We talked about the new regs on page four of the fishing guide. Yep. Okay. Oh, the yes. Updates to the new reg. You know, the the new regulation changes are on page four. So. All right. All right. Come back with us soon. I'll be glad to. All right. Thanks, Doug. Enjoy Thanks, it a lot. All right, Jason. Take it away. Hey, you can watch this show tnwildlife.org. You can watch and listen right there. All the past shows are out there, and keep following our Facebook, social medias. Goodbye, everybody. Thank y'all.